Hello, my name is Bobby George, and I am from the Bondec Montessori here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I am joined today in our fifth podcast by Charlotte Wood, a primary guide at Bondec, and an emerging voice in the ongoing discussions within the tradition of education and Montessori more specifically. Thank you for joining us, Charlotte. Absolutely. Today we plan to discuss the role community plays in the Montessori classroom. By community, of course, we mean so many things, which we can elaborate upon in our back back and forth exchanges. We never quite know where we're going to go, <laughs> despite where we start from. So for starters, I thought it might be helpful to frame our conversation on the type of community that Montessori fosters by first trying to articulate how Maria Montessori envisioned the role of the teacher. The teacher is crucial to the equation, but not in the way we might traditionally conceive. What I want to point out, and this may seem like a counterintuitive place to start, is how exactly Montessori thinks about the role of the teacher in the environment. Essentially, she says, in her new method, this radical thing she's inventing, that the teacher is part of the environment. Or, to quote her more directly, these new types of teachers are, quote, guardians and custodians of the environment, unquote. Ms. Wood, can you describe how you see your role in the construction of community within the context of Montessori? And, you know, what, what I mean to say is that if teachers are truly part of the environment, how does community start to happen? Well, I think that um, what comes to mind with that Montessori, uh, Maria Montessori component um, is something from my training of that the a primary classroom requires three things of a group of children, the materials, the prepared environment, and um, a linking adult. Um, and so if all three of those are important in, in equal capacity, um, you also have to keep in mind that that's not one child, that's not a child. Um, and if the materials are what is doing the teaching instead of the adult doing the teaching, then my responsibility is that of facilitator. And so I can link the child to the materials for um, a, a cognitive or a physical learning that the child is doing, but I can also link the child to other children um, for an interpersonal or a relationship learning that they might be doing um, because they are really growing and, and striving to be um, a member of this time and place. They're learning how to, to coexist with others. They're learning how to um, use their words to get what they want. Um, they're learning how to be in relationship. Um, and so that's, that's also um, as much of my role as um, helping a child learn to read um, or be independent with toileting. Um, so much so is my role in helping them learn how to use their words carefully or um, how to invite somebody to come help them. Yeah, great. Um, so Montessori classrooms are mixed-age classrooms, which you alluded to. And so we do have this great um, contrast between the youngest and the oldest. And there's all these occasions in which those two somehow meet in the middle, maybe unexpectedly. 
which is creating a type of community itself. Do you have any thoughts on like how that process unfolds? Um, I think that um, children are so naturally empathetic um, and we have to, um, our responsibility as adults is to, to put them in touch with this empathy instead of just being, um, enthusiastic co gigglers, which is an act of <laughs> empathy or sympathetic criers, which is an act of empathy or one person wants to have snack. Everyone wants to have snack to turn that into, um, how does that sense um, that awakening empathy identify a need within the community? And so it's really easy to see our older children um, putting aside what they need to do because they notice that a younger child is doing hand washing and can't get the water in the bucket. And they know they're going to end up having to help clean up that water anyway, so it's fine to walk away from their division and help that younger child um, in that moment, um, to, to make sure the water ends up in the right spot. Um, but we also, um, our younger children are important to our community for providing those learning experiences, but also, um, we, we help them awaken their empathy as well. I, just this week, I had a two and a half year old trying to sweep while, um, our nappers were, um, trying to get settled. And one of our nappers did not want anybody to help her get down to sleep, no adults to help her get down to sleep, but she was just so tired. She was a little bit tearful. And, um, this two and a half year old was just so disturbed by this tearful, this other tearful child. She could not focus on her sweeping. She kept putting a broom down, walking over and looking at her and just really, really concerned about it. Um, and so I asked her, do you want to rub her back? And she was able to go and help this this child who's actually older than herself settle down and and rest her body and, and able to fall asleep. But even the youngest children notice when something is not right. Um, and not only do they have the ability to help make it better, um, in this community we also um, emphasize the fact that they have a responsibility for one another. And if somebody is in distress or if somebody is not able to do something, um, you have a responsibility to to love them into wholeness again. Yeah, maybe we can keep kind of going down this path for a minute. Maybe I can push you in a, in a direction, <laughs> which is, uh, um, you know, th- like we've been kind of talking about like the individual context in which uh, um, children are empathetic. And I really love this terminology of like an active empathy or perhaps, and you didn't say it, but a passive empathy. And so the question is like, how is the environment itself empathetic to the community? Um, the environment is, um, the physical environment is, um, representative of the, um, the collective mindset of the children and of the group. So as the adult, I have to be consistent. And so before the children come every day and at the end of the day, it's my job to make sure everything's back where it belongs. All the pieces are there. Everything is tidy. Um, the room is clean. All the materials are beautiful and ready to use for the next day. So, so the environment is, is as much of a role model as the individual teachers that mm-hmm. are occupying it. Mm-hmm. And the, the children, when, 
when there's a big storm coming or if everybody wakes up at four o'clock, um, the shelves tend to get a little untidy. <laughs> and when everybody comes in ready to work and knows exactly what they want to do, there's hardly any cleanup that needs to happen at the end of the day. So like the classroom materials are, are living and, um, responsive like a spirit to, the, to the classroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a really wonderful way of thinking about it. How does that connect? And you alluded to this a little bit in, uh, the, your prior comments about like mannerisms and like the respect that we need to have for other people and the care that we um, have for the environment itself. How, how does that transpire in this new type of classroom? Well, the, the, everything that happens in the classroom is very contagious. Um, the more children I can get to start reading, the more children want to read. Or I had a conversation with um, one of our oldest boys today of when his body is not under control, nobody's body is under <laughs> control. Because they each have so much power um, over over each other and over the, the group as a whole. Um, and so we have... Um, work being contagious and um, appealing in different ways just because one person has started using it, um, but also um, the how people carry themselves is contagious. If we get a couple people coming in with um, bouncy feet, then that tends to catch on. And if we can get everybody <laughs> to be a little more settled and a little more zen-like, um, there's very little that can disrupt it. Yeah. Um, so t to push a little bit farther, a little bit faster, maybe, which is, um, you know, all, the, all these traits that are manifested in the children. And I know we've previously had conversations around this idea of the environment almost treading on the water of being prescriptive. Like there is a, a set parameter by which the classroom exists. And in that context, all these traits and responsibilities and characteristics of the children who are empathetic to the environment are absorbed. Can you speak more to that? Yeah. So I, I guess the, the question is like, how does like the per, the personal growth happen within the community and not just the personal growth, but like what affects that? Is there something externally that affects the personal growth internally? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, the, um, Sometimes it's very overt with the children of, of calling for them to, um, to be kind and helpful to one another, of um, making a point of being careful with each other, or um, how would you feel if you couldn't get your spill cleaned up? Well, then maybe you'd like to help them. But sometimes it's so um, undercurrent that they don't even realize it's happening, um, that they don't realize that they're slowly gaining control of their body in a way that two-year-olds typically aren't, simply because they want to be more like the people around them. Um, and because of this high level of empathy that we encourage and, and love of each other that we encourage, um, they do want to adapt and be more and more like each other and create a place that's that's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. Um, what is your ideal community? 
what does that look like? And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, articulate this further, which is to say that as teachers, and you described yourself as like a link, and Montessori uses the word withdrawal. So once once that we see that children are concentrating and involved in their activities, our responsibility as teachers is to withdraw back into that environment. But yet we take great pride in seeing what happens. So what is your ideal community? Well, selfishly, um, because I get to be a teacher and I get to work in a community where um, this mindset is supported um, and because I get to have these children for an extended period of time, I get to try and create my ideal community. Uh, so it's, um, I try to encourage the children to be kind and helpful to one another, to care about another's well-being as much, if not more, than they care about their own. Um, sometimes snack isn't available, um, and that the fact that that's that's okay. They, sometimes you don't get exactly what you want when you want it is not a hard thing when you think, yes, but that means somebody else is having snack right now and I want them to have snack too. And so creating a place where, where they don't need me to tell them the right thing to do. They don't need me to tell them um, if they're treating each other unkindly um, and what kind of words to use with one another. Every time I see uh, a child um, acting with compassion um, or um, going out of their way to help somebody, um, I think that um, a little bit more of that work of my work has been completed and I'm a little bit closer to creating that ideal community. Do you think Montessori in all her wisdom provided a path for us to rethink what community means? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause if, if we're raising our children to believe that others are important and special and deserve our respect if you've learned that at a very young age, um, and if you can impact that change on every um, every community that you encounter as you age, then um, there's the potential for societal change. Um, and I think that this is nothing magical that we're doing here. I think that all all children are capable of this but that at some point we're robbing them of, of that empathy and that capacity to, um, to care about another person. There's this really great story, and we'll end here, but Maria Montessori discusses having traveled all around the world witnessing, as a scientist, as a physician, all these different birthing practices. And she said all the different customs and all the different cultures, they all did something a little bit different. And it wasn't that it was right or wrong, but the one thing that they weren't prepared to do was to welcome the child into the world. They didn't have the right attitude by which, as you described, that's important and special and in which we respected the children. So thank you for joining us, and we look forward to chatting with you next time.